Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Welcome to episode 34 of Let's Talk Loyalty. And in this particular show, I'm interviewing Adam Posner, who is an industry practitioner based in Australia. And he is perhaps best known for his work on an annual report, which is called For Love or Money. So Adam produces that report in order to get great insights every year on what's happening in the Australian loyalty market. And of course, most of these insights are super interesting to us as loyalty practitioners all around the world. But even ahead of the launch of that particular report in 2020, Adam stepped forward very generously at the end of March and he put together this idea for a new ebook. And it's entitled 119 Customer Loyalty Ideas to Beat COVID 19. And that's the main reason that Adam is on today's show. Now, Adam has over 25 years as a loyalty marketing specialist. He's originally from South Africa, but he has a huge amount of industry expertise. So I'm super excited to welcome him to the show and learn all about this ebook and customer ideas to beat COVID-19. So without further ado, welcome Adam Posner to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hey, Paula, nice to chat with you finally. Finally, absolutely. Great to have you here. So listen, Adam, I'm going to first of all just explain to listeners why we're having this conversation today. Um, you have produced a fantastic ebook, which is just about a 50-page report on this exact ideas on what listeners can do to deal with COVID-19, just given the scale of the challenges that we're facing. So I loved the post that you put up on LinkedIn. So I'm going to read that out for listeners. We'll talk through that and then we'll get into all of the various ideas that came through from the various listeners, if that's okay. I'd love that. Thank you. Great. Okay. So on the 25th of March, 2020, with the COVID-19 pandemic prevalent worldwide, Adam Posner posted a call to action on LinkedIn. Sharing is caring. It is a cliche. However, it is the brutal truth. I'm calling out to all customer loyalty people who are brands, technology, consultants, agencies, data people, etc., to share their ideas, collectively collude to maximize the sum of the parts in order to answer the question, how can we beat COVID-19 with the love of loyalty? So it does not matter what the idea is. It can relate to loyalty programs or not. It can be tactical, strategic, short-term, long-term, so long as it relates to driving customer loyalty. So we are aiming for 119 ideas, which is 100 more than the 19, which is a winning number. So then Adam said he would collate these ideas into an ebook and make it available to anyone and exactly what he has done over the last six weeks. So, Adam, you've done a huge amount of work. So, first of all, congratulations for showing up and creating this incredible work. Oh, gee, thanks so much for that um, intro and and the background. Yeah, yeah, Paula, it it surprised me. Um, It's one of those ideas I woke up one day and everybody was trying to think, what can they do? What can they do? And I just felt that we could do something as a community because there's no copyright on ideas and there's so many smart and amazing people around the world who would just come up with any any idea, didn't matter. And why not just ask the question? And, And that's what happened. 
Absolutely. And I particularly like the term collectively collude. I think that sounded really good. Um, And also the fact that you have over 63 loyalty professionals around the world. So uh, literally the contributors to this report, it's almost like a who's who of global loyalty. Yeah, I was trying to get the community um, to to engage with this story because of their various experiences, not only as consultants, but also inside Mm. of brands as well. But interestingly, I also got just business professionals, just people who came across the post through the and just gave any any ideas, even locally in Melbourne. Uh, some business people said, oh, this brand is giving away, you know, discounts to the frontliners. And this is and they so it's just this collection of people. And it was wonderful. Fantastic, Adam. Okay, well, listen, before we get into the report itself, as you know, we always start the show asking everyone what is their favorite loyalty statistic. And I know you're an avid listener of the show, Adam. So please tell me, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this for a while since I started listening to all your 33 episodes before this 34th one. And <laughs> I feel that, that in programs, it's a lot of people talk about volume of members and how mm-hmm. many members we've got. And, and there is a statement that says uh, volume is a quality all of its own, mm-hmm. but I'm about activity. Mm. And the measure of active participation is my measure of success, that uh, a statistic that I'm very much uh, passionate about. And I've been measuring um, active participation in programs through our For Love or Money study, which we'll talk about later, for mm. the last seven years. Mm. And it's sitting at 46%. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. It means that uh, in this general study in the research, members are saying, 46% of members are saying they're active in all the programs, which is a little bit of a sobering statistic. Because what about the other, you know, what's missing for us? So when I put it out to clients, I say, how active is your base? If Mm. 46% is the general population, Mm. are you doing better or are you doing worse? And Mm. I think that's my statistic of the day. Fantastic, Adam. I love that actually, because it is very hard for any one brand to independently know how well are we doing. So great, we might be making progress over time, but that really does give a, a global insight. So thank you very much for that. And I just end that off with a little quote, which keeps me uh, honest with this one, which is volume is for vanity. Mm. Activity is for sanity. Okay. Love it. <laughs> Great. I can, I can hear you've said that one before, Adam. Brilliant. <laughs> I have, I have, because it just keeps you, it just keeps you uh, grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we all need to stay grounded, particularly where we are right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is brilliant. Um, and I know what you did was you, you set out to capture 119 customer loyalty ideas, as we said. Um, once you got to that number, um, you categorized all of them into nine key themes. So let me just summarize for listeners exactly what those themes are. And then we can get into discussing our favorite ideas within each of the nine yep. categories, if that's okay. Yep, sure. Great stuff. So, uh, first of all, strategy. Uh, Second of all, data analysis. Thirdly, the program structure. The fourth area is rewards and benefits. Then we're going to talk about experience, communication, community, team, and finally, customer service. So, loads of ideas. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty we agree on, some that we disagree on in terms of our favorites within each one. So, let me just get straight into the first category, Adam. So, you've categorized it as strategy. So, what can program operators do to review their strategy, innovate, 
pivot or reposition their program, review investment and program financial modeling, proposition or business operations. My goodness, there's a huge amount in that alone. So ideas number one to 21. Tell me, what was your favorite idea to beat COVID-19 in terms of strategy? Yeah, well, that was the hardest area to classify because so many people had had this bigger picture and used words around, you know, taking a step back and reviewing things. And I put those under strategy, hence hence the description being so, uh, covering so many areas. Yeah. Um, my favourite one was number uh, number seven mm. by a colleague of us of ours, uh, Bill mm. Hannifin. He's um, out of a wise marketer in the US. Okay. And and he, I'm not going to read his whole. Um, his whole insight, mm-hmm. but I loved the way he expressed it. And he said, he said something to the effect of um, the the traditional financial benefits from a loyalty model are about creating incrementality mm-hmm. and reducing attrition. Mm-hmm. And then he said, while we continue towards the solution within the whole pandemic, mm-hmm. he said it's all about retention mm-hmm. and retention rather than driving incrementality and reducing attrition. And and, and we can debate the, the terms, but he mm-hmm. said retention efforts should fall under the, the heading of helpful communications, life hacks, and time-saving services. So he, he gave a great little description. It covered a lot, mm-hmm. but I saw it as a strategic view of how to approach the challenges that we were in. So that was my favorite. Absolutely. Well, yes, we're, we're all friends with Bill and he has some great strategic insights. So, so a brilliant one to start off with. Within the whole heading of strategy, I actually had two and I couldn't decide between them. So yep. I'm going to just go through both of my favorite ones. And um, sure. the first one is a lady, Anya Dragovic, who I don't actually personally know. Um, yep. but, but I loved what she said. She literally said, we need to pivot. Think outside of the box and business as usual. And she mentions that many brands jumped the bandwagon to do this early. So Louis Vuitton started making hand sanitizer, Zara made scrubs and personal protection equipment for Spain's hospitals. And she also made the point that you don't have to be first. That's not the point. Your customers will still recognize your efforts, even if you do it two months from now. So I thought that was a very generous way of thinking. So a really lovely idea that everyone should be prepared to pivot. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, as, as I say, to choose out of the 21 your best, they're all so smartly expressed. Exactly. That is a great one. And there are so many more examples now coming through yeah. of brands using their, you know, their imagination. And and I, I hear a lot of this word pivot, but mm. for me it's more about reposition uh, to find a new point of difference where you can. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, yeah. I'm okay with the word, but. Yeah. You're right. I love that one. What was your other favorite? My other is our friend down in South Africa, Dion Olivier. And what number was that one? He's number 10. And what yep. Dion suggested is that plan for a mini relaunch when lockdown is lifted. So take the time now as a program owner to revitalize our propositions, the look and feel, and maybe the, the customer value proposition elements themselves. So basically, once the lockdown ends, the result will be a load of hype and opportunity opportunity around a shiny new toy uh, to hit the market. And I just thought that was a lovely idea and a very good use of time. Yeah, uh, again, <laughs> um, it's so hard to choose, but beautifully expressed, a short a short little idea. You know, some of them had uh, 100 words and some had 20 words. Yeah. Um, all all, all de- deep in um in insight. And actually out of this strategy uh, area, one of the things that I realized is that 
businesses need a model or a framework. And uh, just briefly, uh, off the back of that, I wrote this this blog around taking three steps mm-hmm. to refresh and reposition your loyalty program for a new reality. Okay. And took a lot of those ideas and mm. combined them into the strategic framework, which is a blog that people can go find on my site. Sure. But it was just quickly, I'll just briefly summarize, it was take step one, assess to validate. Mm-hmm. So take the pulse of your program to validate mm. its current state. Mm-hmm. Step two was adapt to reposition, mm-hmm. refresh and recalibrate for the new reality. Mm-hmm. And step three was activate to stimulate. Mm. which was activate to stimulate the relevant response. Now, mm. there's a lot more detail underneath that, but all I'm sharing with you is after all these brilliant ideas, I'm now sharing back with the community the yeah. strategic framework to help them. Okay. Um, but there, there we go. So, yeah, I loved your second um, choice. Fantastic. Great stuff. And again, we'll make sure to link in the show notes to your own website, which is thepointofloyalty.com.au, if I'm correct. Thank you. Okay. See, I actually know it now, which is brilliant. <laughs> okay. So the second category in this ebook is around data analysis. And you describe this, Adam, as analyze and segment your base and profile to understand your members by value. So tell me which of these particular ideas, 22 to 41, was your favorite one to help beat COVID-19? Uh, well, um, it's our friend Dion. You beat me uh, ah. to this one again. So he's number thirty-one in in this data analysis. And okay. um, again, um, it looks like he 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 came through uh, winning in a couple of cases. But mm. he said, use the time to clean up your database and marketing permissions. Mm. Execute proactive interventions focused on validating existing contact details Mm -hmm. and at the same time to harvest additional demographic and other data. Mm. Use your team that are not in store or i.e. working from home to drive these connections, Mm. starting with your very high value customers uh, um, so that in the result, members are feeling appreciated with the opportunity to engage and your data health is being improved. Love it. Um, so I just thought that was wonderfully expressed. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I know we're all so busy day to day that, you know, checking the health of your data is something that we very rarely step back and take the time to do. So absolutely. Mm. A lot of operations are on hold or or just literally on standby for now. So it is a perfect time to do that. So so again, mm. well done, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> So I what was for, yours? It was number 24. Um, yep. So basically that's Angela Cobb, who said that now is also a good opportunity for businesses to set their marketing up for success by auditing and optimizing their data and automation capabilities. So aggregating data, assessing data utilization, and setting up governance for cross-channel delivery, building frameworks for clear and consistent communications and establishing reporting rhythms. And I think what I particularly liked about what Angela said there, Adam, is, you know, the governance of cross-channel delivery. I think there's probably a lot of new channels um, that are Mm. being used for delivery right now. So again, they may not be part of your overall reporting framework. So I thought it was just a really good insight there because fundamentally, you know, we have a lot of good data in so many programs, but Mm. maybe not consistent throughout every single channel that we operate in. Yeah, good pick up that one. Um, Angela wrote a few others in the in the whole strategy document, in the whole uh, 119, and um, she seems to have a great insight to strategy of, of programs. So, yeah, good, good pick up. 
Excellent. Okay. So the third area then is um, program structure. So assess the structure and evaluate member status and tiers. And this is ideas 42 to 45. So just uh, a few in this section. So tell me, what was your favorite one here? Well, mine was sort of uh, 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 borrowed off Mark Ross Smith, um, and yes, I put my name against it, but it's his his es- the essence of of his article around should airlines and hotels extend elite status in times of crisis. Okay, and it, the, in essence, in terms of program structure, and every program, all programs are different, but fundamentally, the ones that seem to had a lot of focus during this process are the hotels and airlines. Mm. All of those which have huge uh, members and status-based um, offerings or tiers and mm. what would they be doing for their members in terms of uh, mm. maintaining status, um, keeping tiers when you, when you actually can't uh, behave in the way you would normally. Yeah. So there's any number of articles of all of what all the art of all the airlines are doing, what all the hotels are doing, mm. and whilst there might not be big volume in the ideas here, I think I think yeah. that whole program structure yeah. uh, needs to be looked at. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are exactly the same, Adam. It would be remiss if we didn't comment on this. Is the absolute minimum I think that any loyalty program should do. So I think pretty much as you said, the travel industry was the first to recognise that a period of grace was. Absolutely absolutely essential because it's nobody's choice to start to behave differently. So we need to respect mm. that and um, and uh, absolutely critical to include it. Um, mm. The one I went for actually was the one directly after that. Um, so idea number 43. And I've actually seen this done, um, you know, many years ago, completely in a different context, uh, back in the city of Dublin, actually in a very small village. And it comes from Alexander Susel, who's another CLMP, so another certified loyalty market professional. And what Alexander suggested, he basically said, if you were in a small loyalty program, try to rethink your strategy. And particularly post-COVID, most communities should install a loyalty scheme for local dealers. So try to design a concept and approach your city managers. And he suggested calling it community loyalty. So some of the considerations around loyalty, uh, sorry, enrollment strategy, earning strategy, reward strategy, what loyalty engine they could use so that it's easy for dealers and managers. But I just think it comes back to, I suppose, an overall appreciation of our loyalty um, community, like just literally locally. So what can we do in our local community that we mightn't have been loyal to previously? Yeah, and I just agree with you. He took another approach. He went, you know, into sort of a micro rather than a macro, and it's a beautiful uh, idea, and you're right. Everything has, and we'll talk about community in a minute, but it just seems that in in this new world, new situation, there's been this big focus on helping and serving more than ourselves um, to a certain extent, and we can discuss and debate that, but I do like that one as well. Fantastic. Great stuff. Okay, so moving on to rewards and benefits. How can we provide new or different rewards and benefits that are relevant to customers' lives? And this is ideas 46 through to 67. So my um, favorite here is number 56. Okay. And this, I think the gentleman, his name's Clemens Zahetner. Okay. Zahetner. I think this- he runs the Adidas program, Adidas program. Oh, very good. Um, out of Germany called Runtastic. Okay. And he said, we are currently offering our premium subscriber model free of charge for three months mm-hmm. with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this will help people to stay physically and mentally fit during these days. 
Love it. So this is the idea under the rewards and benefits. So if if I'm if I'm correcting that he's running that program, mm. um, it's now looking at the reward structure and saying what can we do for our member base in terms of the benefits that we offer. And and he's giving a, sort of a, a subscriber model for free. So uh, and but with a with a greater purpose. Love it. The greater purpose is that people be physical and mentally fit. So I love that one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've often talked about vitality on the show, for example, and yes. that whole concept about shared value. So yeah, yes. I think uh, COVID-19 is bringing through a bigger opportunity for integrity, I think is what I'm I'm feeling. Nice. And, and that's, a, that's a really good example of that. So yeah, so definitely need to, um, to, to think that one through. Yes. Um, the idea that I thought I liked here the most, Adam, was number 46, um, yeah. where it literally is yours, actually. Uh, I think oh, thank you've you. got a, a lot of ideas in here. But um, it's very simple. But what you've basically suggested is consider a members-only free or reduced delivery offer for a defined period so your members can still purchase from you online and stay at home. And while this might not help store visits, it will still keep the option of sales coming in. So I think a lot of retailers have struggled over the years and probably still struggle with, you know, should we charge for delivery? Online is supposed to be cheaper and the whole debate about whether it should be free or whether it should be charged. But it's an opportunity, I think, for a point of differentiation. So that, that's certainly what I'm hearing you were suggesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's interesting. If I, go, I think back to the time you asked me in the beginning, when did this all start? Mm. I actually wrote a article before the pandemic really hit a, a peak when this lockdown started. Mm. And I just put out a whole range of ideas just randomly before I even did the COVID-199 report. Yeah. And it just was dawned on me then because I was sitting in a co-working space one day and I was, and there were a lot of retailers, the, re, the, the shopping center was still open. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to start closing. They're going to start closing. What are they going to do? Yeah. And that's when uh, yeah. the context of the, you know, you focus on online because it's, it's about to explode. Absolutely. And actually it reminded me of a funny quote that I think probably a lot of people have seen at this point. Um, I saw it on LinkedIn where we both spend a lot of time, but it was, um, you know, this discussion around what is responsible for your digital transformation or who is responsible for your digital transformation. And it was a, you know, a list of options, you know, is it your CIO? Is it CEO? And, you know, option three is it's (laughs) COVID-19. And for all of us, (laughs) what has driven our digital transformation? Actually, it's we kind of had to. <laughs> yeah, and that's just been phenomenal. I mean, there's so many cases. There's yeah. a retailer here in, in Australia called the Ascent Group, and I can say it because it's public knowledge. Yeah. But they recently uh, highlighted that their online sales went from 200, and they're a massive group of footwear okay. um business mm-hmm. with huge retail presence as well as online, but their mm. online before the pandemic was at about $200,000 a day wow. and it exploded to $1.1 million what? per day. My goodness. That and is- the re- we can, I can give you the reference to the article for your show notes yeah. afterwards, but it's just phenomenal yeah. how um, <laughs> it's grown. It really is. Yeah. We might be in the wrong business, Adam. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Not> well. <shoes. laughs> Fair enough. Fair oh, enough. Great. Okay. So moving on then to uh, section five is around um, experience, which is around evaluate the program experience and enhance engagement. So ideas 68 through to 70. So again, just a couple of ideas. So under the heading of experience, Adam, what was your particular favorite? 
Well, you know, this whole word experience encompasses encompasses the whole program, everything. So we all know when we talk about an experience with a program, it's that that's that actual engagement, as they say. So whilst there weren't a lot of ideas in this category, there were sprinkled around all the other ideas, which mm. is part of what happened in this process. Mm. But the one I like is number 70, which is and it's a, quite a long one by Attila Olgun. Mm-hmm. And in, in summary, I'll summarise it, but it's in essence talking about gamification. Love it. And creating badges and, and a process within programs for collecting something or unlocking something, mm-hmm. creating more. Uh, and you use aviation as an example. However, mm. I'm not going to read out the whole, the whole, the whole one. But uh, yeah. what I loved about this experience category is this mm-hmm. gamification aspect. Absolutely. And actually, I should have said it earlier, Adam, but obviously this report is completely free of charge for anyone listening. So again, anyone looking to to download all of these ideas will make sure it's very easy for them to do that. So yes, it is a long one, but a very good one. And I'm a big fan of gamification. And I think we all need a bit more fun and and like this around us right now. So (laughs) a great example. Brilliant. The, The one I liked here, Adam, that you captured is idea number 69 from Phil Rubin. And essentially what he said, I think is very simple and again, very true. So right now it's less about the points and the offers and much more how the member realizes value from the brand that helps them through the crisis. So give them the best experience and be the best brand for your customers. So as an example, if you're a merchant, prioritize their requests and fulfillment. So, you know, particularly if you're selling something that will immediately help them in this crisis, your members should absolutely be fulfilled first. So it struck a chord, I'll tell you, Adam, yep. because, you know, we have, you know, like so many people had to set up working from home. So um, my fiance was, you know, in a normal office environment and we've placed online orders and we are members of a loyalty program with a furniture retailer. Yet I think we're mm. three and a half weeks waiting for the equipment to arrive. So, you know, you can kind of see where actually that's not happening. And, you know, again, I'm sure that retailer is struggling like everybody else to to keep up. But um, it's really true that this is an opportunity for your loyalty members to be given that opportunity to be looked after first and foremost. Absolutely. And your example is is very valid. and, uh, And I can see that happening as well. So that's good. Yeah, well done. Great. Okay. So uh, number six then is communication. I think this had uh, an awful lot of ideas. Um, one that we're both, I suppose, very passionate about. So focusing on relevant and clear communication with a sensitive tone, which is actually a very important uh, feature as well, Adam. So tell us what was your favorite idea under the heading of communication? Yeah, this had quite a number of ideas and uh, where we're all in the communication game, no matter what um, part of marketing or loyalty we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, number 78, David Canty, which mm. who is a, a loyalty professional, I think, out of the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said something really profound. He said, I do think brands need to keep humanity at the center of everything they do. Mm. in how they communicate and how they execute. Mm -hmm. Loyalty programs can be their biggest asset in challenging times, but it's Mm. important to ensure you connect in an empathetic way Mm -hmm. with all of your customers and be ready for when we emerge. Mm. He does carry on, but his his language is beautiful Mm -hmm. and he focuses on the tone of communication, Mm -hmm. um, which is critical in times when people are uh, challenged. 
Yes, absolutely. And it's actually a general point, Adam, that I think probably not enough enough of loyalty professionals pick up on. And actually marketing professionals, it's not just loyalty. And for me, bizarrely, the one example I always remember noticing this with was um, was Groupon. I think Groupon was the first mm. brand that really developed a style and tone of communication that talked to mm. me in, as a consumer in a way that felt really, really relevant. So, so mm. I think I think overall communication and the style and tone is emerging as a point of differentiation for brands that really invest in getting it right. So, um, so I think it's a, it's a brilliant point. Um, mm. I actually chose exactly the same example as you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so well done, David. Um, yes. And I think you're right. I think David is British, but he is, I believe, based in the United States. Um, okay. So we'll make sure to, to tag David as well in this. But you're right. Sure. It was the first sentence that got me in the idea. So I do think brands need to keep humanity at the center of everything they do. So it yeah. really doesn't uh, matter, I suppose, how you do that, as long as you're mm. coming from um, from that mindset. So I thought that was lovely. Yeah. And yet there's still so many other great ones in there, but um, you're right. That was, yeah. well, it looks like we were both in agreement. So, okay, great. well done. Okay. So coming on then to community, um, how can we help community or cause-related giving? So this was ideas number 99 through to 113. So what was your favorite community idea in terms of beating COVID-19? Yeah. And, you know, community, again, so many ideas about uh, giving back and giving to others. Um, And I actually have the term about turning a selfish uh, approach to a selfless approach. Okay. Um, And I think actually loyalty programs have have suddenly come to to, to light uh, in the space. So so, uh, my number is... And I will quickly, oh, I think, yes, there it is. It's by Ian Pringle. Okay. uh, Number 105. Okay. And he talks about um, the idea I would add is using loyalty points to support charities at this critical time. Okay. In good times, loyalty programs provide a thank you to customers, but in difficult times, they can allow customers to thank and support others. Brilliant. And just some research I did further, or he also uh, sort of st- did a big release in the UK, and I think it was with a group called Good Causes or yes. something to that effect. If Four I good I'm right, and you, yes. all good causes. Thank you. If you could make sure that that's the right link there, but sure. um, that that whole aspect of of using your points for a greater purpose. Absolutely. Great. And I'm a huge fan both of Ian himself. Again, he's a you know very well-respected loyalty practitioner, also has a loyalty podcast. So uh, shout out to Ian. Um, and both Ian and I have had uh, four good causes, that particular company, on our pod- podcasts. Um, so Crispin Rogers is the founder, chief executive of that program. Um, so yep. certainly doing some great work. Um, but I think this idea is emerging in lots of different markets, Adam, because it's, it's probably the the biggest one, as you said, that brands are just realizing and um, that, you know, members of loyalty programs don't just want to be selfish. They actually do want to be selfless, not exclusively. Uh, it's probably a balance of both. Um, but I know Brian Almeida, um, I believe he's based in India, is also um, developing concepts and strategies in the charity space. So I picked um, idea number 100. And Brian literally says, this is a good opportunity to 
contribute to society, ask members to donate their points to support the fight against COVID-19, donate an equivalent number of points and offer all expiring points to charity. So, I mean, I actually think um, it hadn't struck me before, but actually there could even be an opportunity for loyalty program operators to take that initiative on behalf of members if the points are expiring and say, look, all the points expiring this month are going to go to this charity. So I had thought about it from the individual perspective, but I think Brian is pointing out that loyalty program managers can do that as well. Yes, and I've been in uh, chatting briefly through LinkedIn uh, with our, um, our colleague Dion, uh, Dion Olivier from South Africa, because he's in South Africa doing something called or supporting an initiative there called Loyalty for Solidarity, oh. which is supporting that same sort of thing where pushing loyalty programs and motivating them not only to use expired points, but even do things like a two for one. Mm. So for every point that a member decides to donate, mm. the, the, the loyalty program can double or match uh, to boost the, the donation. So there, there's some terrific work done through all over the world yeah. um, around the space. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's an idea I've probably only seen that matching idea done maybe in terms of like employee charity in the past. Yes. So, you know, um, that that's a very familiar concept, but you're right. Now is the time to step forward and, and do it in a much uh, bigger and more scalable way. Yep. Great. Okay. So coming up to the last two areas then, Adam. So um, the idea of team. So the category was invest in your team, their belief and buy into customer loyalty program. So tell me your thoughts on this category. Well, I was disappointed only from the personal point of view that I think team team need a lot more focus within loyalty programs. So strategically, if I just for a minute step out of COVID-119 report, yeah. uh, you know, in, in developing a, a loyalty program, there are three fundamental pillars. One is it's got to be uh, profitable and sustainable to the business. Mm-hmm. Second, it's got to be meaningful and desirable to the members. Mm-hmm. And the third in my strategy model is creating belief and buy into the team by the team. Yeah. Now, whilst there was only, and everyone will see in this report, there was only one idea, it, it just, to me, I think if we step back from this is that brands and businesses, and especially if you've got a program and a team, mm. is it, we need to invest into them being uh, in love with the program. And, yeah. and there was only one idea, as you know, so you and I most probably have only <laughs> one to choose from. Yeah. And Nathan Bowen, thank you to you yes. for saying, um, for calling it out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I even loved what he said is if you're fortunate enough as a business to keep your staff, because also that is a true blessing. You know, how many people are losing people that they value, that they really are, are, are devastated to lose. So, um, so I I really liked again, the, the humanity coming through there. Yeah, and I'd like to read it out because you, you you just said the first part, but he says you're right. He says if you're fortunate enough as a business to keep staff on, mm. it's time to invest in your team, yeah, in the team DNA, as he says, educating staff on the loyalty program. Uh, to the staff for customer engagement, prepare for relaunch with mm. the loyalty at the heart. So he does he does express it nicely. Wonderful. But actually, I just actually want to acknowledge your own point as well, Adam, because I've, I've looked at your strategic model and your website is incredibly comprehensive. Um, and I know how much you value that belief 
but I, it's you're probably the first person that has really elevated it to that level. So we all include it as part of our strategy documents. We all talk about the moment of truth at the point of sale, but to really put it on a level, you know, with it, it working for the member, working for the business, you know, it really is down to that moment of truth for the belief to come through. So without it, we're actually lost. So, so well done for, for elevating it to that level. Well, well, thank you for that and giving me the opportunity to express my passion around that space because it, it, before I was locked down, I did a mystery shop and I walk the streets and I and I go join programs all day, every day. I'm a bit of a, a loyalty <laughs> tragic yeah. and, and as you are and many others are. And it's just when I go into the store and I say just randomly, oh, have you got a loyalty program? Yeah. And it's the difference in the people that say, yes, we have, and this is how it works, and this is how you benefit, Yeah, and how they say to me in 10 words or less. So I know time is precious, yes. but they get it out, they get the proposition, they get the benefit out, they make me excited, yeah. and I join. Absolutely. And that's versus others who just say, yes, would you like to join? Absolutely. Yeah. And like you, I, you know, I use the term loyalty junkie. It's exactly the yeah. same thing. But yes. my, my moment of um, evaluating an awful lot of programs is with that one person, which is probably yeah. very unfair to the loyalty program overall. But yeah. as you said, in 10 words or less, give me the why, you know, <laughs> this is my yes. data. It's my time. It's my permission. So, you know, I'm, I'm signing up for something for the long haul. So you need to make it worth my while. So um, yeah, well done you. So we must compare notes on that again yep, in the future. I love that. Good. <laughs> Great. Good. So the last area within this report then, Adam, is customer service. Um, so tell me what was your favorite idea? There's only a couple in here, but let's uh, let's finish up with this whole area. Uh, well, I can't go past yours, Paula, <laughs> because, uh, and, and, and with, with, with being genuine, because you really, you came in um, and provided this idea. And even though perhaps other people had, had said it, it was, it was yeah. very much about the way you just said, you know, get back to the basics. And I, I'll, I'm not going to read your whole idea, but you just said, go back to the basics, pick yeah. up the phone and talk to your members, your customers. Yeah. Uh, I think you, even though you, you know, you say you can't phone a million customers, and you can't find 100,000, yeah. but there's certain ones you can and yeah. you can spread the load amongst your team. Mm. And I just think you came in from a very human side. So I loved yours and it was a bonus idea put to the program, uh, to the 119 report. So thank you. Great. No problem at all. I know I was a little late to the party, Adam, but I, okay. I always get there in the end. So, um, so thank you for acknowledging that. And, you know, it's come up in a couple of podcasts as well where, you know, the the I think customers just really appreciate that it's a non-scalable idea. So if they are on the receiving end of that phone call, it really does matter. And, you know, the word of mouth, you know, again, it comes through mm. and there's a lot of integrity. So, um, mm. so great. Yep. Okay. So as we said, 119 customer loyalty ideas to beat COVID-19. We will make sure that that's super easy and accessible on the show notes for, for this show. Um, but before we wrap up, the um, the next area that we want to discuss is something I know is uh, one of your kind of core products and a huge piece of work that you do every year in the Australian loyalty market, which is talking about your own report, um, which I think looks at annual uh, research in Australian loyalty programs, what's changing, what's emerging. So it's called for love or money. So tell us about the report and what's coming through in this year's report. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for that opportunity, Paula. For Love of Money is a, a passion project for me that I started in 2013. I, I, I commissioned it independently, so an independent research company is commissioned. Mm-hmm. I write the strategy, come up with the areas to look for, but it's all about all my attitude of being curious and always learning. So what mm-hmm. can I continuously if uh, learn from the community out there? And so it is a statistically relevant study, mm-hmm. um, and I've been eight benchmark studies in Australia, and I did a New Zealand version last year. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, and it's always interesting to try and find new areas to to benchmark mm-hmm. and look for. And whilst I look for changes and trends, this year I look for insights on new ways to reward members. Mm. So I believe programs need to evolve away from transactional. And I've heard you speak to many Mm. Uh, professionals about from transactional to emotional Mm. connections. But this year I put forward um, some really different ways of being rewarded. So, and vitality is one of those examples where you get rewards for health benefits. But in Australia, there's some new initiatives around what they call superannuation, where you can get cashback rewards to to solve your, to save for the future, to put back into your superannuation. Um, There's that's, which is solving a problem. Mm -hmm. There's also recycling loyalty. So where you get rewards for recycling, Mm. Um, there's um, uh, there, there's a, a few other ways that uh, even even saving money on your your telco bills, saving cash back on your telco your insurance and, and various other making your life a bit uh, um, better, I suppose. Mm. So I looked at a whole range of ways to see what consumers thought about the different ways of being rewarded. Wow, um, and some of those results, and then it's the it's all the other standard, you know, interacting with brand, with the, with a program. I, I looked at things like, is it do you join programs from a is it the money, is it the time, or is it the ego that you wanted to be rewarded <laughs> on the psychology. I looked at the psychology of earning and redeeming rewards, that moment of truth with redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, there's twenty, there's six sections, 25 areas. There's a lot of insights. And even if it's Australian-based, my uh, over the years, you know, brands and businesses are accessing, yeah. the re- accessing the research, even if they then use the, the questioning in their markets. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I keep learning. Mm, absolutely. And tell me, so so what's the scale of the research? So you've outsourced it yep. to an agency, which gives yep. it a, a massive amount of independence and credibility. And yes. I, I can imagine it's still a huge amount of work. So you're obviously an incredibly busy man, Adam, but um, what's the scale of the research and, and who yep. is it so, conducted with? Yes. Yeah, so it's a thousand, it's over a thousand Australian adults over the age of 18. It has a 95% confidence level and a 3% margin of error. So from a research and, uh, point of yeah. view, yeah. it has, it's robust enough to mm-hmm. give us a sentiment within a margin of error that mm-hmm. the results are, are a good indication of what the, what, what the consumers and members of programs, um, um, think about it. Now, there are the people who, who, who it's an online poll, so the people okay. who come in there are uh, what I call a broad quota of people across the population, male and female mix, different mm-hmm. age groups. I look at the generations. So we looked at Gen Z, Gen mm. Y, Gen X and boomers. Mm. Um, we looked at different income levels. We look at metro and regional. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, my confidence level with the study after doing it for eight years mm. is that it's robust enough to give us a great insight. Okay. And so, so what were you impressed by or what did you notice? I loved the, you know, the, the talk of superannuation. I loved rewards for recycling. I think that's a massive opportunity in many markets. Um, so I'd be, you know, maybe even after the show, keen to talk to you about the, the business model around all of that. Um, it's something this part of the world, I think, really needs. But what other kind of trends came through that impressed you, Adam? 
in that specific area or in in general? Because just in, um, in, so. yeah, just in general, Adam. Actually, because okay. as you said, it's six different areas, so you probably have a completely <laughs> different piece that uh, that became your favorite point. Uh, there are so many, but the one I'm finding fascinating, and everybody will know, especially since you've had uh, people talking about. Uh, uh, should we say technology integration and making the life easy with card linking and so on. Yeah. But we've seen a dramatic decline in the loyalty card over the, uh, since I've been doing it uh, for, for four year, four or five years. Okay. So the loyalty card has dropped from um, 81% to 47% of members saying they want to have a card. Brilliant. And the, di- the digital connections, mobile app, uh, with payment integration, mobile app with payment separate, uh, just identifying yourself uh, with your, your email and paying. So all those are all um, significantly yeah. increasing. So I'm seeing some great trends there, mm-hmm. which um, which we would all you know, think that yeah. they're happening. But I've got some validation. Yeah. And and then there's 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 a range of I've done a lot of whole area on data and privacy mm-hmm. uh, and personalization. And it's fascinating this year for the very first time I looked at. Um, our programs improving their use of data from mm. a personalization point of view. So getting mm. the members view and mm. there's a whole section on, on that, um, which is a new benchmark study. But perhaps just to finish off on one of the insights that I do every year, which is what I call the net data trust score. Ah. So I've created a question uh, and I'll, I'll read it out so your, your listeners can get a sense, which is asking members how much do they trust mm. um the, the loyalty program mm-hmm. with uh, with the use of their personal details and data to create a score, what I call a net data trust score. Okay. So from zero to 10, where it's similar to uh, uh, some other scores around there where you give a score for mm. I don't trust the brand with my data at all, all the way to most trusting. Okay. And there's a problem still. There's still a challenge with trust and use wow. of data. So it's sitting at minus 33, Ooh. which if you know and yes. understand how the scoring works, of course. it's not great. And yeah. my, But it's improved since last year, but mm. it's not great. Okay. And I think that's just a wake-up call yeah. for all of us in loyalty land just to remember whose data is it anyway Yeah. Yeah. and how do you use it with respect and sensitivity. Wonderful. And can I ask you on that one, Adam, are you using a similar framework as the net promoter score? Is that what I'm hearing in terms of? Okay. Yeah. So most listeners will be familiar with that. Obviously, it's been around for a long time. I really like the way you've structured it as well. And for a couple of reasons, first of all, there's a familiar framework. So anything from minus 100, I think is up to, you know, plus 100. Um, And I was checking recently, actually, what is a good score? So I guess anything over zero is obviously a good score, which you're you're not um, finding is coming through, therefore, in terms of the trust with, with data at the moment. Um, and again, mm-hmm. just for listeners overall, I was recapping from my own knowledge, anything over 50 is really where you want to be on that, on that score. So I'm sure you're, you're applying the mm-hmm. same learning. So I think that's yes. very insightful, Adam. Um, and I'll also just refer back to a program I was also just um, researching um, KPMG, actually, I had on the show before as well, as you would know, but they talked about a similar point, Adam where actually it's not really about the points um, or rewards actually for most people. Corporate trust, which I know is different to Mm. to the specific trust within um, the data in the program, but this whole area Mm. of trust is something that you're picking up on, which I think is incredible. Um, So definitely Mm. a lot of value in there and uh, I'll be keen to see how that's uh, emerging over the years. 
Yes, uh, me too. Great stuff. And then just finally within this um, overall uh, for Love Our Money report, um, which I know this is a report that you actually do charge for. Am I right, Adam? Correct. So oh, it's the okay. free, I give a free executive summary. Okay. So when I release this report, which I'm not sure exactly the date of, of, the, of your podcast going live, but it should be within the week of the 11th of May, which is a couple, 10 days away, I should have it Excellent. live. Okay. Uh, but yes, there's a paid version and there's a free version um, and people can choose um, whichever which they want. Excellent. Excellent. So I think we've covered an um, amazing amount today, Adam. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap up? Um, no, I, I feel as if it's been one of the, you know, really in-depth conversation, a two-way conversation with you. Thank you for digesting the 119 report. I, I just feel as if uh, this report, 119, it is free. There's loads of ideas, no matter what business or brand it is. You're a big program, you're a small program, you're a big business, you're a small business. Yeah. We've all got customers. Uh, yeah. There's there's any one or strategic or tactical idea Um you know, sit down for with a cup of coffee for, for 20 minutes and, and you'll find an idea. Yeah, absolutely. It is all about inspiration and we particularly need that at this time. So Adam Posner, Chief Executive Officer of The Point of Loyalty in Australia, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks very much, Paula. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training, both online and in workshops around the world through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 150 executives in 18 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out www.thewisemarketeer.com and www.loyaltyacademy.org.